The sun has left and forgotten me. It's dark. I can't. Your stories don't define you, but how you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker at Elkins Consulting. Just a quick reminder for our listeners until January 31st, the Get Hired job interview storytelling course is available for just $49. So let's get started in 2024 by being able to share your career and professional stories in a way that demonstrates your skills and your values and your character. Whether you're interviewing for a job, going for a promotion, or simply trying to be noticed, this course is for you. Today's guest is Michelle Cooper, and I was lucky enough to be introduced to her by Jennifer Jane Young, who will have recently published her book on January 7th as the big launch, Say Yes to Your Yes. I highly recommend you check that out. And uh, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today on Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will. Thank you so much. I am just really excited and honored to be here and love that uh, Jen connected us. So good. Me too. She has such good energy. When she makes an introduction, I don't hesitate to jump right in. Right? Yeah, me too. Same. (laughs) And maybe that's because she leads with intuition. Could be, right? (laughs) That's her whole thing. So I definitely learned a lot from her about leading with your intuition and, and like really leaning in on that and trusting. Um, It's definitely been one of my stories uh, for sure. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, I love that. And I have a feeling we're going to get into a lot more of that over the next 40 minutes or so. Right. So Michelle, I always love to start by asking my guests to share something about themselves that most people don't know about them. And I love to do this because it gives people a more full picture of who you are as a person. And um, I've noticed over the last few years of social media that we have a tendency to, as my friend Amber Johnson says, freeze people in time. And that's usually based on just one interaction. And we miss the complexity of human beings, even though we know we are complicated and we would never want somebody to judge us based on one interaction. But we have a tendency to do that to others. So by sharing something about yourself that most people don't know, we get to hear the the more nuanced parts of who you are. Absolutely. I love that. I love the freezing in time thing. I've never heard that before. So that's really interesting to me. Um, something that, well, there's some people who know this, but most of the people um, don't know this about me is that I played highly competitive roller derby for over 10 years. Wow. I love that. Oh my gosh. So which city did you play with? What was your team? Uh, So my team was in Vancouver. Um, It's called NWO Wolfpack. Um, And uh, it's just a really uh, great group of women. um, Just really kick ass. It it taught me so much about leadership and um, uh, like, like trusting other people, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're out there with eight wheels on the floor and there's stuff going down all over the place, um, you really got to trust your teammates. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and also, you know, as part of that, um, very reluctantly at the beginning, I ended up coaching a, a team of kids, um, and, um, 
some of those kids went on to play for uh, Team Canada. So wow, yeah, it was really good. Wow. So I have to ask, what made you decide to do that? What was was it a friend that said you should come do this with me, or did you see a match? What happened to make you decide? Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny. Um, I was living in England. Um, I had been living there for quite a while. I got married, met my husband in London, got married. I had been working there. I had three kids in England. And when my eldest daughter was four, um, they start school full time in England at the age of four. My daughter was still having a nap during the day. And I was like, I don't know, this doesn't seem right to me. And um I decided that I wanted my kids to be educated in Canada. So we moved our entire family um, back to the West coast of Canada. And I didn't kind of know anybody anymore. Like I had been gone for 12 years and Mm -hmm. I had some friends from school and stuff like that still, but we had kind of lost touch and I didn't really, I didn't have a community. Um, Vancouver is very expensive place to live and coming in with three kids, uh, you know, you need some space and, you know, it it was just, you know, expensive to be in the city. And so we ended up, um, a little further out of the city in one of the kind of like the suburbs and we didn't have a lot of money either. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. we had spent everything we had to get everything over back to Canada and we were just renting a house at the time. And, you know, we had to buy a car and all the, and furniture and all this stuff. Um, my husband didn't have a work permit yet, so he wasn't allowed to work. So it was just me working. And um, so, you know, we didn't do much in those years, those days yeah. kind of thing. And uh, so my husband, he's he is very great at like finding the bargain, right? Or the free <laughs> stuff. So he came home. He had taken the kids out on a Saturday, just give me a little bit of time on my own he took all the kids out for i don't know pancakes or something and he came home and he said i met these ladies at the mall they were on roller skates and i know that you told me that you you spend every waking moment as a kid in a roller rink and so i asked them like where do you get roller skates like how do i get my wife a pair of roller skates and they were like oh does she skate and they, you know, he's like, well, she grew up in a roller rink kind of thing. That's all I know. I didn't know her then. And they said, well, why don't you come to our, our roller derby event tonight? We'll give you some free oh. tickets. It's a great oh. night out. And so we packed up the kids and I was like, I don't know. I'd never seen roller derby. Like I'd seen it on TV, but I didn't know it was a thing really. And and we got there, we, you know, we got in for free. And as part of our tickets, I think we got a beer at the beer garden or something for free. And the kids got a pop. And I sat there and I was captivated by these women on the track. I was just like, oh my God. Now I was just about to, um, I was 38 when I started. So I was getting near to that 40 year old kind of yes. ladies, right? Uh-huh. Feeling, I had three kids feeling maybe a bit frumpy, a bit like, I don't, I don't have any friends. I don't, Who am I anymore? Yeah. Right? Like, what, what is this life kind of thing? And so it came into my life at a time that it just, it just was perfect time. It, like the stars aligned, right? It was everything I needed. And um, I was just like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. 
And um, when we were, it was over, right? The game was over and stuff. And uh, we were getting the kids and we're like leaving. And there was a table and some of the players were there. And my, my husband was like, why don't you go talk to them? And I was like, I can't go talk to them. Oh my God, what do you mean? Right. And he's like, oh my God, you're being ridiculous. They're just women like you. Right. And I'm like, they're so not the women like me. Oh my God. <laughs> um, he dragged me over there and uh, he said, my wife used to skate a lot as a kid. She really loves what she saw today. Like, how does she get to know you guys or get involved or whatever? And they, you know, they jumped all over it, right? They were like, she can come to practice tomorrow morning. <sighs> and I'm like, oh, I don't have any skates. And they're like, that's okay. We have lent, like loan skates we can lend you. Um, just get on some skates and see what happens. And I was like, oh, maybe, I don't know. I had all the excuses of all the things I needed to do, right? Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, my husband was like, in the morning, he was like, you're going to go, right? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anyone. Like, it's, and he was like, just go and see what happens. So I was like, okay. So I did. And there was three other girls there, and they were at the game as well. And... So it was like the three of us, we didn't know anything. I didn't know the rules. I didn't know how to play the game. I just loved what I saw. And then there was these three gals who also were in the same boat. They love skating. They love what they saw. And they were just showing up and super nervous. And so we, you know, we skated around together for a little bit. And um, the I, afterwards, the coach came up to me and he said, uh, where have you played before? I said, I've never played roller derby. Like, I, I don't know what you're talking about right now. And he was like, okay, so all you need to do is learn the rules because you already have all the skills. So oh um, here's the rule book. Go get yourself a pair of skates, a helmet, some pads, a mouth guard, and show up next, next weekend. And we'll start teaching you how to play the game. And... I was like, oh my God. Uh, so there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff you got to go through. You have to learn very specific skills. You got to learn the rules. Like you have to pass a safety test and all that stuff so that you're safe. And, and that first year I ended up being like rookie of the year. I became captain of the rookie team and, <laughs> and just kind of went on from there. And it, it took over my life, to be honest. Um, it was everything to me. It was empowering. It was, um, healthy, right? Like I was, mm -hmm. yeah, I had lots of cardio going on and strength building. It gave me a community of people, not just women, but people, right? That mm -hmm. I became friends with, that I could rely on when things were going on in my life. And it also gave me an outlet. Um, you know, as a, a mom of young kids, uh, you know, your world, and then you got a job and you got a husband, like your world is everybody else but you. And this was my time it was just about me. Like I didn't have to think about who needed dinner or who had to have their diaper changed or a bill we had to pay. I just put on my skates. I got on the track and I skated for two hours and everything fell away and it was perfect. There were like a handful of times where I just got chills at my spine. Oh yeah. And the first thing was, I love your husband. <laughs> 
I know you do, but oh my <laughs> gosh, Michelle, to have a spouse, a partner that so many times the people who really see us see more in us than we see in ourselves. Oh, totally. Especially before we're in our 40s. Yeah. And to hear how he encouraged you, more than encouraged and supported, but he was your champion. And he got you to do something you otherwise wouldn't do by just being your champion, by just saying, okay, you're going today, right? And when my sister was going through her her divorce from her first husband, she said something about something he had done that was not supportive. And I said, Karen, life is hard enough. Life is so, we can get into so much difficulty, especially with other people. Your spouse is supposed to have your back. You chose him because he's supposed to have your back. This is you against the world, the two of you together against the world. If he doesn't do that, there's no reason to be married to him. Exactly. And your husband just, I mean, that whole story. So that that's the first thing. The second thing is, <laughs> well, there are so many pieces to, to talk about here. This, the second thing about this is that the way you told your story, first of all, acknowledged those other characters in it. So as much as it's a huge accomplishment for you, what you did and how you did it, stepping in, being successful, putting your heart into it, taking time for you, which so many women don't do. Right. And and then telling the story, absolutely acknowledging all of the other characters and how they contributed to that accomplishment and success. That's yeah. outstanding. It just well, thank is. you. Thank you. There were so many people that, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of went into that time in my life um, as support, right? Like mm -hmm. one of the gals who was there that day, that first day, um, ended up becoming one of my best friends. Of course right? she did. And like, you know, she was like that, you know, ride or die kind of gal. Now she's moved away and we've lost touch a little bit, but she was everything to me at times that were really difficult. Right. And, um, you know, I had, had lots of stuff happen in those years from, you know, injuries. I had several concussions. Um, she broke her ankle. Um, I had a business that closed. Uh, my marriage was, went through a rocky period. Like there was so many things and, the camaraderie I got from my team. And, it, you know, even today, my roller derby coach is one of my best friends. He has seen me at my lowest and he has seen me at my highest. Right. And, you know, even today, he'll see something online um, that I'll post and he'll be like, I'm so freaking proud of you. Like, it, this is just awesome. Right. Because it is. I think you, <laughs> it is awesome. Yeah. Like, Part of it is it really taught me, you know, I think a lot of times when we grow up as as young girls and women, female friendships are, are sometimes challenging. And for me, they were. They were mm. challenging as a kid. I experienced quite a bit of betrayal, not bullying, um, but betrayal mm. and, and deep betrayal. And um, I didn't trust women, really. And so in my 
like twenties, I didn't have a lot of women friends. I had more guy friends Mm -hmm. and they were friends of my boyfriends or whatever. Right. And, and I kind of kept women at arm's length. And this showed me that, you know, these are, there are women out there that you can trust. They got your back. They're going to be there for you. They're going to cheer you on. They're going to lift you up. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I ended up like the only reason I stopped playing roller derby is because I broke my leg in a, a tournament. And I, I, my leg is all reconstructed through um, oh. metal and stuff now. And I just, I, I, it wasn't advisable that I return to that level of roller derby. And if I couldn't play at that level, I didn't really want to play at all. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So like, I'm I totally like get that. In, right. And right. so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, but when I broke my ankle, um, and my leg, once I got out of the hospital, like at the hospital, my teammates were there, even though there was a tournament going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the girls who weren't like rostered to play in that game, they were there at the hospital holding my hand, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were delivering food to my house every single day, right? Like the, the, even the parents of the kids I coached. They, I remember one of the moms, she brought me a, like a full roast beef dinner with gravy and like, <sighs> like my kids ate the best <laughs> anytime <laughs> when, in their lives. When you weren't cooking. <laughs> when I was not cooking and couldn't get off the couch. Um, they, these people had my back and it really inspired me to be there for other people, right? Like to kind of pay it forward. Yes. And, that's so many of us, They we don't realize until we've experienced that kind of hospitality and care that we yeah. realize that we want to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I so love that. To support other people, to, um, to empower uh, women, uh, you know, it, it's, that's a really key component of what I do. And, and the, you know, the underlying theme in all the businesses that I'm part of, um, I think that, you know, for for so many years, women have been, you know, kept kept down, kept, uh, you know, uh, to the limited. side a little bit. Yeah, limited for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we don't. I don't think we have to live in that world anymore. And I also think that one of the reasons I love your podcast is that I think that women have very important stories to tell, and they have not had the platform to tell them on. And that is changing, mm-hmm. but those stories need to come out. Absolutely. So what I love about so much of what you're saying here is that it is about community. And what I found is that women in their late thirties and early forties, this is when we start to understand intuitively and also actively is mm-hmm. that the people we surround ourselves with are going to be the bellwether of our success. And our, and our satisfaction in life. So whatever, however you define success, your satisfaction comes differently in, for most of us. And community is the key here. And so much of what you said resonated with me because when I look back, I've been talking to clients in their late 30s and early 40s for, for five years or more. And it just goes to show that those of us who can look back and see where those moments happened, where we intentionally created a community, not 
not that we knew what we were doing necessarily, but we were subconsciously or intuitively creating a community that supported our growth. And um, I did it through music. I actually started it through ceramics, where my husband really encouraged me to go and get a studio and do wheel work and meet the people and get into the art world. Um, whenever I could get away, he would he would be like, go, just go for a few. Hours. But it was, you know, a good three, four hours. You can't do that in 20 minute increments, just like roller right. skating. <laughs> but um, it was through music in my late 30s that I found my voice. And I have to ask, um, was that when your marriage was harder? Because I know that when I was in my late 30s, that's when I started to really define myself in a way that I never had explored before. And it did cause some conflict, some friction with my spouse because I was finding my voice. And thank goodness we worked through it. We we decided that both of us were worth working through that. But at the time, I remember it being especially hard. That was a, a phase in our marriage that was especially difficult because I was finding my voice. And sometimes I was using it in ways that, first of all, he wasn't familiar with, <laughs> neither right. was I. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you know, I my husband would always say, uh, um, damn, that roller derby. <laughs> that he got you into. But yeah. <laughs> yes, like, exactly. I should never have taken you there. Um, <laughs> uh <laughs> It, it, it like no lie it caused um it be, was a priority for me just to, in my in my team we would see it was like a pattern you'd see women come they would start to feel better about themselves they start to speak up they start to not tolerate some things anymore mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. their marriage would break up right? <laughs> and and it's like it was like a pattern it's like how long is this one gonna last kind of thing right mm-hmm. um and you know the other thing is like, like any, you know, amateur sport, it's run by the people who play the sport. So you have all these other things to do, right? Like there's fundraising and there's like, I don't know, it's stuff you got to do. Right. And then, you know, I was asked to coach the kids team. And so that took up my time. And, you know, he was like, roller derby become is like, become like above everything else, Michelle. Right. And it, I feel like I'm, you know, second or third or like 10th in the list. Um, which may have been partly true at that point, to of be honest, if I'm really honest. Yeah. Right. Like I wasn't, I wasn't happy with how things were going. I wasn't happy with, um, how, like I, you know, I was never abused or anything, but I wasn't thrilled with how things I was being spoken to or you know not mm-hmm. spoken to kind of thing and and I wasn't I was no longer willing to just kind of go oh well that's just how it is I was like screw that shit like I I don't put up with crap on the track why would I put it up with it in my house right <laughs> and so yeah, for sure um it causes cause problems now you know, I think um, along the way, uh, you know, other things compound these problems, right? So, right. 
you know, when teammates would be like, my marriage is falling apart because of roller derby. I'm like, mm, it's not really because of roller derby. Like there's, that's just the, it's <laughs> a symptom, right? Yeah. Like it's just a topical thing. Like you got to look at what is actually the problem here. Right. Um, and work through the problem or not. Right. Which so you could see it more. in the others. Did you see it in yourself as you were talking to the Oh, others? totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Totally. But how do you change it, right? Like, yeah, and it's so it, much it easier was, to see it from outside. Totally, and it, sometimes it was like, do I want to change this? Like, I don't know, right? And I had to ask, like, what is actually really important here? Mm-hmm. And and if somebody can't, to me, whether it's a partner or a friend or a family member, it doesn't really matter. If they can't support something that's really important to you then that's they shouldn't be in your energy right and and we have a role in it and totally i think one of the the things that i see that makes me really sad is when we have these growth experiences we have a partner that has been contributing to our success over the years that we've had a good relationship for for years mm-hmm. and we aren't sharing with them what what's happening and i i i don't blame us as women for for not sharing these things because we weren't taught to share these things and in most cases we don't even know it's happening until right. until it's too late and it's beyond fixing and one of the things i noticed was um i started using my words much better so mm-hmm. for instance if he he talked to me in a way that wasn't okay like for instance he, my husband really appreciates a clean house. And in general, it's not a high priority for me. Now, it's not messy, messy. I've seen messy houses. But for my husband, there were times where he would, it felt like he was throwing a tantrum about a messy house. And I was raising two little boys. And I remember saying to him, I'm not tolerating tantrums from my four-year-old, and I'm not going to take them from you. Yeah, You need to change the way that you're approaching this. And I used my words. I cried because it was hard. It was so hard to say those words. Um, but I think so many times we as women don't do that. We don't give them the opportunity to change it because oh, we don't necessarily totally. know that that's what's bothering us until it's too late. Totally. I think for a lot of times for women, they're so busy doing all the things, right? Mm-hmm. That... um they they don't even know like they're not they don't have the the capacity in the day to have that self-awareness moment right oh right because you're running mm-hmm. here you're going there you're getting somebody's stuff you're picking up for school like i don't know you got a job in between all that like there's all these things right and i know men mm-hmm. do a lot too right i'm not saying they don't do anything but for a lot of times the responsibility of the home and the kids and stuff, the majority of that falls on on the women, right? Mm-hmm. And we just don't have the capacity for that self-awareness, I think. And if we can take a moment and like you said, understand what's bothering me right now and how can I express this really well? Mm-hmm. Like how can I communicate clearly? Right. Even if it's going to cause conflict. I mean, because totally. so many of us are like, I don't want to say it because it's going to cause a conflict. I don't have time for this. Totally. My brain is too busy. I don't want my kids to hear it. And yet, you know, if you don't, it's you're not giving him an opportunity either 
Yeah, because for many years, my way of dealing with things I wasn't happy with was just to suck it up. Right. Well, Move I think on, that's so common. Going, Men right? do that too. Yeah. yeah. They get into like, a routine. It's easier that way. Totally. I don't want to have this argument. So I'll just I'll just do the thing I was going to do and I'm not going to tell you about it. Right. <laughs> right. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to tell them. Yeah. Right? That's um, so hard. It's yeah. so hard as we grow and change to take others along for that ride. If first of all, we don't necessarily know what's happening. And then worse yet, when we just don't feel like we can talk about it. And in so many cases, the partner actually is open to that conversation. They just don't know they need to have it. And that goes both directions. So I'm not a a counselor. I don't have any of those credentials. (laughs) (laughs) Neither do I. (laughs) From coaching and my experience with my own relationship. And we we met in 1995. So we are, we've been together a very long time. And um, so if longevity contributes, you know, to experience in, in the way that it has for me, I, I feel like I can share some of what worked for us over the years. Totally. Yeah. So tell me, um, your roller derby, all those things we learn about ourselves, about the world, about how we solve problems through experiences like that. Like I've learned a lot through music performance and performing with a variety of bands and musicians at a variety of venues. You learn a lot. So when you think about the work you're doing now, this is my way of asking you to tell our listeners what you do without telling them what you do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'd love to hear an experience that you recently had with a client or, you know, in your income producing activities that you associate with things that you learned through roller derby. Yeah. Well, I think the the most prominent um skill development I had was the a leadership mindset. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think I had that going in um to playing roller derby, but it definitely um was my it was my introduction to um personal development. Um one of my coaches uh gave us a book to read as a team called Mind Gym. And, um, that was the first, um, it's all about athletes and visualization basically in the mindset of winning. And, um, I was like, oh, this is crazy. Awesome. And then it kind of took off from there. And so, um, you know, if I relate it, that, that is a key component of what I do with clients because a lot of times they're not, even though they're a business owner, they're not really owning that leadership role as the business owner mm-hmm. and they're making decisions about their finances or their business growth um not from uh not from their gut not from intuition and data because they don't usually have data right right i believe that financial data is a key, is one of the key components in making decisions about our businesses and our growth trajectory, um, our profitability, uh, how we spend our money, what we can do in our personal life to build wealth through the that a business creates. And a lot of times we don't have that data because they don't have a great relationship with money. Mm-hmm. So they might have some past experiences that caused them to have really crappy beliefs about money or limited beliefs about money. Um, they 
might have some shame and guilt about decisions they've made in the past. Um, they might be completely obliv- oblivious. But a lot of times women are walking around with this survival state in regards to money and they're not empowered. And I know from personal experience, like even relating to roller derby, like you've got to have some data, you got to go with your gut and you have to come from an empowered place, not a victim, not a limited mindset, not survival. Mm-hmm. So how do we change that? Right. And by helping clients not only get clarity with their numbers, um, but also understand themselves better and their relationship with money and perhaps change some things that they believe, um, they often see a completely different business at the end, like on the right. other side of that. That makes so much sense. So tell me about um, a recent client where you had that moment where you went, oh yeah, I'm I'm in the right place. This is This is what I was meant to do. Well, I think for sure, um, most recently, I've been helping a client through um, a, a situation in her business where she's like, she's just run out of cash. Um, cash flow is really crappy and uh, she just, she can't afford um, her team. And when I started working with her a couple of years ago, I was telling her like, what do all these team members do? Like, tell me what they do. And I'm looking at what they get paid. And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. Like, you can't really tell me what this person does. And they're, they're taking it home five, five K a month. Like we got to look at that. Right. She was very resistant to it. And I thought, okay, I'm not doing a good job here in supporting her because why can't she see this? Like, it's obvious to me, it's obvious to my team that are working on the file. Like, somehow I'm not reaching her. Well, it's only a couple of months ago that we had a conversation where I was like, oh, here it mm-hmm. is. I've helped. Okay, so I I see I'm, I'm in the right place because... We uncovered a belief that if she were to let team members go, she was a failure. Oh. So the size of her team was a direct correlation to how successful she felt she was. And I'm like, oh, like it was a light bulb moment for her, but it was a complete light bulb moment for me because I was like, I'm hammering home the financials of this situation. But I didn't think that a team member was related to her mindset and her belief system. And helping her see that and us uncovering that together, I was like, oh, that's definitely a win. I'm proud of that one. <laughs> that is so insightful. And I love that you came to that conclusion and it was that lesson for you. Because now from this point forward, you'll be you'll have another um theory to explore when somebody is is hitting that wall and not wanting not hearing you or not understanding necessarily why you're saying what you're saying you have another answer like oh well really? i with my with this one client it was about this so maybe it's about this with this client too 
Totally. Because, you know, I think sometimes, like I felt, like you said, I was hitting my head against a wall. Like, why can't she get this? And I kept repeating over and over again, she's getting frustrated. I'm getting frustrated. Right. Now, I work with people on their beliefs about money, but I didn't associate this belief about team size. Right. Right. And right? it's was, it, <laughs> it is interesting because I do, I have a client who, um, I've been coaching her for a while on StrengthsFinder communication at work, and she was hesitant to take a particular job because um, she was going from managing a team of eight to managing a team of three. And she associated her success as an employee on the number of people that she was leading. And right. so you, when you said that, I was like, oh, I've had yeah. that experience too, but I never associated it with that. And that totally makes sense. It's so, so thanks interesting. Thanks for sharing that one. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's like, you know, it was definitely a, oh, that was a good one. That's a win, definitely. <laughs> oh, I love it. When we notice, you know, when we're conscious and we have that aha moment, I just love that. Yeah. So um, tell me how our listeners can either support you or um, get in touch with you. What? Tell me about your the people that you most enjoy working with. Who, who, who do you find the most success working, success working with that make you feel like you're doing a great job? Well, the people I love and like absolutely adore working with are, it, this sounds awful, but they're at the end of their rope. Mm -hmm. Like they don't know there. We've had a lot of success with um, business owners who are basically ready to give up. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like a, some people call it like a tur business turnaround kind right. of experience. Mm -hmm. um, we've had really great scenarios and some that didn't work. Right. Um, but some really great scenarios where people were just at the end of their rope. They just, it was like, I'm done. And, you know, it might take a little while, a year, two years, one took three years, but um, they get to a place where they're either happy with the business um, or there's, they sell the business, they exit the business um, with a great like sale price. Uh, I'm not like, I'm not in it to, um, I'm not in my business to, for me to grow my business. It's like, I'm, my mission really is around supporting women to create their their most amazing life, like their best life. Mm -hmm. A lot of those women are entrepreneurs and they've gotten themselves into financial chaos. Mm -hmm. So we need to clean that up and then alongside clean up their mindset and, and their money um, and their belief system, right? And their energy. Uh, and then it's kind of like the... I relate it to like the Marie Kondo effect kind of thing. Like okay. if you clean up that junk drawer, all of a sudden you feel a little bit better. Yes. Right. And all of a sudden things start to change the peripheral things. And that's what I see with people. They come to us with this, you know, finance mess or this chaos or this business is failing. And 
sure, we can fix that, but it's actually the other things in their lives that change that is, to me, so rewarding. I want women to have more money because mm-hmm. when women have money, our world changes. Women right. spend money differently. Our communities They're, improve. For sure, for sure, our communities improve. And mm-hmm. we, I think our world could do with some improvement. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Um, and I think if more women had more money, um, it, our world would look a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And right? if we, we approach things with more curiosity... I think one of, one of our issues as particularly as women is that we approach things with this limited idea of, of what is out there. And we make these decisions and make these judgments even toward other women that that really pisses me off, (laughs) but, but we make these judgments based on not being curious about where things are coming from and why things are happening the way they're happening. And what do I not know that, that is contributing to this limitation in my my view. And um, I love that what you're doing is you're opening up these blinders and saying, okay, <laughs> here's here's the mess. Now let's be creative. Let's find the the best way to organize this mess. And and I like that you what I'm hearing you say is that it's the answer is not always turn the business around. Sometimes mm-hmm. the answer is get things organized so you can sell it. Or get things organized so you can decide with a clear conscience and intention to shut it down or to keep going. It's not just keep hammering at it. Let's fix all the problems so that you can keep going. It's let's see what you actually want out of this before we quote unquote fix the problem. Absolutely. Right. Because, you know, if, you, if you're a business owner, you need a business that, that, inspires you that lights you up right not this dragging you down and draining your energy and sometimes that that ends up it starts with inspiring you but it ends up in this place where you feel drained and and you're drowning mm-hmm. um and and but entrepreneurship's not easy either right so like <laughs> some of these experiences are very valid right like it sucks right mm-hmm. and you get to you also get to decide instead of react right? Like people who are trying to keep a business alive that is dying are in reactionary mode. Mm-hmm. They're not curious, right? They're like firefighting, right? What do I do next? Right. Totally. Not, not what do I want? <laughs> totally. Like I had a conversation with a client the other day and, and she was like, I got to rebuild. And I'm like, do you? <laughs> like I don't know. Maybe you ask do. that question. <laughs> but if, are you? Are we talking about building the same wall that's come tumbling down, or are we talking about building a different wall, or maybe not a wall, maybe a window, or a, you know, like <laughs> right? What do we don't have to rebuild? Right, we can transform. It could look completely mm-hmm. different. Doesn't mean. And again, it is the meaning that people give these things, right? Like the meaning of the team size or whatever. It's always the meaning that people give these things. And absolutely, I I don't th- like I personally I I don't believe in kind of like rebuilding. That's like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, right? Like it came tumbling down for a reason. The universe, God, source, whatever it is to you, stepped in and we're taking this out. 
Right. right? Exactly. So, and what you do with it is up to you, right? I, I had a business that I, that happened. I chose to close it, um, sell off all the assets and, and close the business. Um, I've had, you know, in my current business, we've had several, you know, we're, we're 10 years old. We've had several things happen where it's a growth and it gets tight or it's a collapse of something. And I don't believe in just doing the same thing over again and trying to like, quote unquote, rebuild. It's like, well, how do we transform this into something we want even more? Exactly. I love it. Michelle, I love everything you just said. And um, I think our listeners are going to really benefit just from thinking about it from that perspective, because so many times we end up becoming committed to something that is no longer serving us, but we don't know when or how, or if we, it's time to end it. And so many times we are like your client, we're afraid that when we fire somebody, it's going to have this other effect that we're not anticipating or that we've given up too soon. And um, so I, I know our listeners will resonate. They'll, they'll have something in their own lives that they can associate with that experience. So yeah. thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. So listeners, you will be able to find Michelle Cooper's um, website and other links, um, including the link to the book Mind Gym, in case you're curious about that. I know you'll be curious about learning more from Michelle. So be sure to go to my website, elkinsconsulting.com. Under the podcast page, there are show notes associated with this episode. So don't hesitate to reach out and learn more about this extraordinary woman. Oh, thank you. This has been so much fun. I really value this conversation. Me and thank you too. for your podcast. I think that, you know, like I said, women have stories to tell. They need to be told. Absolutely. Completely agree. And I, I am honored to be a person that gets to hold these stories and share them. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Listeners, it's your turn. What about this conversation really resonated with you? Was it this idea of finding community somehow in your late 30s? Was it about knowing that sometimes you need to have those hard conversations to give your partner a chance to change and to grow with you rather than leaving them behind? What will you do in 2024? Because it's early still to make a decision about something maybe you committed to without fully being committed to it, but you're afraid to let it go. I'd love to hear from you in the comments on my website, elkinsconsulting.com, or shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile if you just smile